Today, my title is The Silver Trumpets, and we're going to be looking at Numbers chapter 10. And my goal is that we should be motivated to sing God praises to God and be empowered in our prayer lives. So, what if I told you that this silver flute here was magic and that whenever I was in trouble, I could blow it and God would come to the rescue? Is there anyone here who can get a note from this flute? Thank you. Thank you. Um, Just imagine that whenever you played, then God would come. A little bit like the magic horn from Narnia. I don't know if you're a Narnia fan, but apparently there's a a horn that's that's magic that's like that. Well, actually, there really were some magic trumpets. And this morning, we're going to look at the silver trumpets. First of all, the promise regarding the silver trumpets. There's some stories of them being used in the Old Testament. And then we're going to look at the New Testament and how this relates to us. So first of all, let's look at the promise regarding the silver trumpets in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at Numbers chapter 10 and the first 10 verses. The Lord spoke to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver. You will use them for assembling the community and for directing the traveling of the camps. Then we're going to skip over the bit about um, the traveling instructions. And then verse 9, when you enter into battle in your land against an adversary who is attacking you, sound short blasts on the trumpets and you will be remembered before the Lord your God and be saved from your enemies. Also, in the time when you rejoice, such as on your appointed festivals or at the beginnings of each of your months, you must blow with your trumpets over your burnt offerings and over your sacrifices of your peace offerings so they may serve as a reminder for you before your God. I am the Lord, your God. So that is the passage that we're going to start with today. What do you think of this? Is it really magic? There's these, well, it's not, no, it's not actually magic. It's not really magic. Um, we're going to explain how this works. So it was completely tied in to the covenant that God made with them. Now, I've talked a little bit about covenants before as we've been looking at the Old Testament. Uh, just to briefly remind you, we have nowadays we have contracts and when you make a contract so you're buying something like say a car you sign a contract and there's all sort of agreements that both sides make well covenants are agreements but they are somewhat different because they involve a relationship and a commitment of two parties to a relationship which usually was to the end of their lives and uh, there was usually some symbolism involved in the covenant, some quite, sometimes some quite striking, strong symbolism. Now, we do have a few things in our culture that are connected similarly to covenants, and one of them would be 
the marriage. So a marriage is a relationship and it's got symbolism. So, for example, we have wedding rings, which we exchange, and we have other things which are symbolic, which happen for this covenant to be made. Well, the, the, the trumpets, these silver trumpets were actually part of the covenant. And they, when they were played, it invoked the promises that God had made in the covenant. Um, so it wasn't so much the trumpets that are important. They were just a shorthand for this connection to the covenant. And they were to be used both in good times and bad times. So in the bad times, when you enter into a battle in your land against an adversary who's attacking you, Sound short blasts on the trumpets and you will be, you will be remembered before the Lord your God and saved from your enemies. So that's the bad times. Also, in the time when you rejoice, such as on your appointed festivals or at the beginnings of each of your months, you must blow with your trumpets so that they may serve as a reminder for you before your God. For I am the Lord your God. So these trumpets connect them to the covenant that God made. Um, we have lots of ancient covenants that we've been, that archaeology has discovered for us. We've got inscriptions of covenants we found. We've got covenant documents, all kinds of things. And one of the, the common things about a covenant document from ancient times, not just biblical, but other, other um, cultures, is that they would begin with, um, a historical preamble that led up to the covenant. And that would contain um, the story about what had happened up to that point in time and often stories of the faithfulness of each party. So when we have the covenants that God made with Israelites at Mount Sinai, it begins by saying, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. I rescued you from slavery from Egypt. I brought you and I looked after you. I fed you and so on. And these things were there as part of the covenant. They were the first step in the covenant. And we see this kind of thing all the time in the Psalms. When the covenant is being remembered in the Psalms, the songs of what God there would be songs of what God had done in the past. Then there would be prayer for what God, the psalmist, what wants God to do right now. So an important part then of the praise of Israel was a connection to God's covenant promises and remembering the stories of what he'd done in the past. Um, so do we have any stories of this actually being used? Do we have any stories of these trumpets, these silver trumpets being used in practice? Well, we do. And let's have a look at uh, the first one we're going to look up is First Chronicles chapter 16. And here David is establishing the worship of God in Jerusalem. He's setting up how worship is going to operate in Jerusalem and setting up the worshippers. And up till then, the, the ark hadn't been in Jerusalem and David's brought it there and things are being set up. He, that's David, appointed some of the Levites to serve before the ark of the Lord to offer prayers, songs of thanks and hymns to the God, 
the Lord God of Israel and to blow trumpets regularly before the ark of God's covenant. And we can look on, we can see, continues, that day David first gave to Asaph and his colleagues this song of praise to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his accomplishments among the nations. Sing to him, make music to him, tell about all his miraculous deeds. Boast about his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Recall the miraculous deeds he performed, his mighty acts and the judgments he decreed. So you can see very clearly the singing and the blowing of the trumpets is linked to recalling what God's done in the past as part of praise that's been offered to him. Let's carry on. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loyal love endures. Say this prayer. Deliver us, O God, who delivers us. Gather us. Rescue us from the nations. Then we will give thanks to your holy name and boast about your praiseworthy deeds. May the Lord God of Israel be praised in the future and forevermore. Then all the people said, we agree, praise the Lord. And so this is the inauguration of worship in Jerusalem and it's done with the trumpets. So they sang a song of the story of God's covenant faithfulness. And as we look at all of these stories, we're going to see, we see a pattern. And the first thing is they engaged with God and they did this on the basis of his faithfulness to them in the past. And then God's presence came. So, that's uh, that's the in- inauguration, and I want to look look at some some stories now of when they were used in times of trouble. And uh, this, I've got a couple of stories. The first one, actually, there's there's one story I'm going to give you now, which is when the nation was attacked by King Jeroboam. And this was the northern kingdom who turned away from God and they were attacking the southern kingdom. Um, and we read, but as for us, the Lord is our God and we have not rejected him. Now, look, God is with us as our leader. His priests are ready to blow the trumpets to signal the attack against you. You Israelites don't fight against the Lord, God of your ancestors, for you will not win. <sighs> Now, Jeroboam had sent some men to ambush the army from behind. The main attackers were in front of the army. The ambushers were behind it. So here's uh, the army of those loyal to God. And they are suddenly, they've got people in front of them and people behind them. And they're ambushed and they're in great trouble. The men of Judah turned around and realized they were being attacked from the front and the rear so they cried out for help to the Lord. The priests blew their trumpets. Notice it's the priests who are doing that. You know, they're there. This is the priests are doing this because this is an act of 
praise and worship to God. So the priests blew their trumpets. Well, what happened? We'll see. As the men of Judah gave the battle cry, the Lord struck down Jeroboam and all the attackers before Abijah and Judah. So we see that they blew the trumpets and just as God promised, he came. So once again, uh, if we look back, we read this passage, they begin by declaring God's faithfulness in the past. Then they blow the trumpets and then God's presence comes. Those are the steps that happen. But the most amazing story is a bit later. A huge army from three nations from the east have come and gathered to attack Israel. And Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel. And we're going to pick up the story in Second Chronicles 20 and verse 3. Jehoshaphat was afraid. So he decided to seek the Lord's advice. He decreed that all Judah should observe a fast. The people of Judah assembled to ask for the Lord's help. They came from all the cities of Judah to ask for the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the Lord's temple in front of the new courtyard. He prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you are the God who lives in heaven and rules over all the kingdoms of the nations. You possess strength and power. No one can stand against you. So he's praying and in his prayer, he's praising God. He's saying, you know, you're amazing, God. You are the God of heaven. No one can stand against you. So he's praising God. And what happens? Then the Lord's Spirit came upon Jakaziel, son of Zechariah. This is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid and don't panic because of this huge army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them as they come up the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the ravine in front of the desert of Jeruel. So, you will not fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand And watch the Lord deliver you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Don't be afraid and don't panic. Tomorrow, march out toward them. The Lord is with you. Wow. So God is with you. He's going to fight, but you still have to march out. Can you imagine what's going on in the hearts of these men here? They are, if God is not on their side here. They're marching to their death because they're massively outnumbered. But are they going to trust God? What are they going to do? Well, the story continues. Jehoshaphat, the king, bowed down his face towards the ground and all the people of Judah and the residents of of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord and worshipped him. Then some Levites 
got up and loudly praised the Lord God of Israel. Now, it doesn't actually say the words trumpets in this passage, but that was the main instrument they were using. They had, they had some harps as well, but loud praising, you can take it that this is the trumpets. Uh, they loudly praised the Lord God of Israel. So this is, this is directed to God. This is praise, and they were probably singing as well. Um, so Jehoshaphat is now so confident that God is going to be faithful that the, he sends at the front of his army, you know, right at the front, not the best soldiers with the sharpest swords. He sends the singers out at the front. Uh, so what do we have? Early the next day, the next morning, they marched out to the desert of Tekoa. Jehoshaphat stood up and said, Listen to me, you people of Judah and residents of Jerusalem. Trust in the Lord your God and you'll be safe. Trust in the message of his prophets and you will win. He met with the people and appointed musicians to play before the Lord and praise his majestic splendor. Now notice this, they're not singing songs of please help us God. They're singing songs of praise, of God's splendor, of how wonderful he is. As they marched ahead of the warriors, they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love endures. And they probably sung about all the things God had done in the past that he'd shown his loyal love in. When they began to shout and praise, the Lord suddenly attacked the Amorites, Moabites, and men from Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. But they weren't just defeated. Uh, when they got to where the enemy had been, all that was left was plunder, and there was so much. Jehoshaphat and his men went to gather the plunder. They found a huge amount of supplies, clothing, valuable items. They carried away everything they could. There was so much plunder, it took them three days to haul it off. So, you know, God didn't just save them from their enemies. He gave them this massive gift, a massive bonanza of gifts. And so this was the, uh, the, the, the gift God gave them. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakar, where they praised the Lord. So once again singing praise. So that place is called the Valley of Barakah to this very day. Uh, then we haven't quite finished the story. Then all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them. The Lord had given them reason to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem to the sound of stringed instruments and trumpets and proceeded to the temple of the Lord. And those were the two instruments they had. So, you know, we just, you know, we know they must have been playing trumpets earlier. Just doesn't exactly name them, but they're named here. All the kingdoms of the surrounding lands were afraid of God when they heard how the Lord had fought against Israel's enemies. Jehoshaphat's kingdom enjoyed peace. His God made him secure on every side. I just love this story. This is just so wonderful. It's only praise. That was their weapon. Their weapon was praising God. And it 
gave an extraordinary victory simply by praising God. So, um, so once again, the steps, they engaged God by playing these instruments, singing to him, reminding him of his faithfulness. And on that basis of that covenant, of his covenant, God's faithfulness and, and, and his commands. And then his presence came and he rescued them. So this is, uh, this is an amazing story and I just love it. And it's uh, probably the best story of the silver trumpets in action. So just look at our outline. We've talked about the promise regarding the silver trumpets in Numbers 10. And we've seen some stories of them being used. And now I would like to look at the New Testament and how this story of the silver trumpets relates to us. I wonder if you can think of any situation in the New Testament where there's praise and God's presence suddenly comes. Just have a think for a minute. A story in the New Testament, there's praise, and God's presence comes. Okay, well, you may, have, you may remember the story of Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi. And exactly the same thing happened. They engaged with God in prayer, and then this dramatic presence of God came. Acts 16.25 About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So, no trumpets involved here. But, you know, this is the, the point is that they were praying and singing. And it, was, it wasn't just like under their breaths. It was, it was full blast. The, the prisoners were listening to them. This was like, this was loud. And they weren't ashamed of that. Well, what happened, you probably know. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. Wow. Well, that's like same kind of pattern happening, isn't it? It's exactly the same sort of thing. Um, in Acts 4, we read about uh, a story where the first persecution to come to the church, I'm going back in time, by the way, back to a, a lesser known story, but um, again, it's the same sort of thing. Uh, right at the beginning of the church, some of the leaders were arrested and then they were set free. And they, uh, we read in Acts 4, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to God. And then it, it like they talks about the, there's one of the Psalms and there's a few other things they say to God. And then we hear, and now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with boldness. What happened? When they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. This wasn't Pentecost. This was after Pentecost. This was another pouring out of the Spirit. Um, so this was as a result of the same kind of thing, of, of praising God and reminding God of his promises to them. And then his presence came. And so let's just look then at these three steps. Praising God for his faithfulness and for his promises, praying for his help, 
and then God's presence come dramatically. So I want to ask you here, as we come to us personally, how this relates to us. And I want to suggest to you that it's not wrong to see this as to see praise as motivated by wanting God to hear our prayers. So primarily we praise God because he's good. Uh, We praise him because he delights in our prayers. But we also praise him because it brings his presence. We praise him because we want his presence. And sometimes we're in a desperate situation and we sometimes we just keep praying, please, God, help, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God. And actually, what I'm suggesting we do now is just to stop praying for a moment for God to help and switch to praising God. And I'm suggesting to actually sing aloud praises to God because there's a pattern in the Bible that praising God does engage him in this way. Um, uh, so uh, hopefully we'll soon be back meeting in person at the school. But w- b- before COVID, when we were meeting at the school, there was a Sunday where we couldn't meet in the gym and we had to meet in the cafeteria. And we were just getting everything set up. And I realized uh, just before the sermon was about the the, uh, the worship was about to start, that we hadn't got anything to project the the songs onto or or the sermon slides, and I just pray, God, can I help me to find something? Please, God, we need something right now. Please help me to find it. And then I thought, you know what? I should be praising God. So I started just praising God for His faithfulness, and I started walking round the building praising God, just singing quietly to myself that, you know, about God's, God's love and his wonder and, and so on, what a faithful God he was. And, and I looked and then right in front of me was this great big white screen that I could easily move. And I took it and put, set it up. And that was just wonderful that God just answered my prayer as I was praying, as I was praising him. And I want to say that that that's happened to me many, many times. And I don't want to turn it into some sort of automatic formula. You know, if you want God to answer your prayer, do this. But in my experience, so many times when I've wanted, I've needed something from God, when there's some issue that's come up, if I switch to praising God, and just declaring what a faithful God he is, how I know he hears my prayers, how he's heard my prayers in the past, and he loves me, and he's a wonderful God, and he's, his, his plan of salvation is wonderful, and what Jesus did on the cross, and just singing praises to him. And I, often I just make up the, the tune as I'm going along, I just kind of sing, and uh, n- nobody's around to hear me, so I'm just singing. And uh, very often as I do that, and as I sing my praises to him, I get an answer. And even if I don't get an answer, I'm like, if he doesn't answer my prayer, he might give me the reason why I don't actually need my prayer answered right then. And there might be something else. And like, for example, when I was praying for something and the just as I was praising God, the thought came in, you know, Andrew, you don't actually need this right now. Maybe you should just wait. Uh, maybe God has, a, maybe, and that came into my mind. And so I waited and um, God did answer the prayer in the next few days um, before I needed it to actually be answered. So um, I just to say my experience 
is that this really is such a wonderful practice to have that when we pray, when we have needs, particularly needs regarding the kingdom, we just, we declare our, our, our request to God, but we praise him. And by doing so and declare what he's done in the past, by doing so, it, it brings us, establishes this relationship that we have to God. So there is power in praising God. So I'm going to suggest three things. First of all, remember some specific incident where God has helped you in the past and praise him for those things. Just think of some particular things like, God, this happened to me and I prayed to you and you did this. And think of those. And the second thing is sing songs of praise. Having remembered those instances, sing songs of praise to him about this and also about his character and his promises. And then when you've done that, as you're doing that, you can bring your request to him. So, um, and as I said, God, God's answering the prayer is really his presence coming into the situation. And I've saved the best story to last. A linking praise to God's presence coming, and that's in uh, 2 Chronicles 5. The trumpeteers and singers joined together to praise and thank the Lord with one voice. So here we have the trumpets playing, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They loudly praised the Lord, singing, for he is good, his faithful love endures forever. Now the probably sung a lot more than that because there's a psalm which uses this as its chorus and maybe that was the psalm that they were singing but um, notice the content there it's singing about God's goodness and stories of his love and what happened the temple the Lord's temple was filled with a cloud the priest could not stand because of the cloud the Lord's splendor filled God's temple and I want to say my best experiences of God's presence is when I've been singing to God. And I want to suggest to you, though, that there's something more than just singing. There's what I would call engaging with God. And that is when I'm not just singing the words, but I'm very conscious I'm singing them to God, that I'm actually imagining he's listening to me and he is listening to me and he's there and I'm actually singing them to him, actually to him as I'm doing that. I think of him being right there. I'm singing to him unconscious of his presence. And some of my best times of just sensing God's reality and his closeness have come as I've been doing that. And we're going to have an opportunity of doing this very shortly as we begin to sing God's praises. Um, so my suggestion then to you, just to reiterate this, remember some specific incidents where God has helped you and thank him for them. Then start to sing songs of praise to him about his character and his promises. And then bring your request. So this is my, if you like, equivalent to the silver trumpets in the new covenant. This is what I suggest that you do. I suggest that whenever you have some some 
pressing need to pray to God, some desperate thing you're crying for, wrap it with the praise of the trumpets, the declaration of how wonderful God is. If you want God's power in your life and his presence in your life, then you need to blow the silver trumpet. Um, so we're going to have a time of singing now. And so I invite you, as we're singing now, to consciously address God as you're singing. As you sing the words, just sing them to God as you're doing that. And uh, his presence is actually here. Be conscious of his presence actually being here. So let's let's uh, come to him in prayer now, shall we? Father, we thank you for these amazing stories of your faithfulness to your people. Thank you, Lord. Your faithfulness has not in any way decreased. And that in Jesus Christ, we have the one who hears our prayers and who loves it when we praise him. Lord, we pray that as we praise you now, that each one of us may know your presence and may be filled with joy and we may know that you are here amongst us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.